0: You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenueChurch.com. Thanks for listening. This is a topic that I started about 20 years ago talking about, and it's a topic that I've never been comfortable with talking about. Because it's just very, very awkward. We just don't talk about these things. I remember my dad coming up and talking to me about this, and I never saw my dad really awkward and uncomfortable until he wanted to have this conversation with me. I think I was probably 23. No, I, I was probably 14, or I don't know, 13, 14, but he pretty much came out into our little uh, game room, and he said, listen, I, I need to talk to you about sex. And I'm like, okay. He goes, do you know what sex is? I said, yeah. He said, Okay good talk. (laughs) If your mom asked, we talked about it. I'm like, good for me, Dad. See you later. It was rough. So I went back to listen to my cassette tape and playing pool. Anyway, tell you my age. All that to say, when I began to look at church and realize that the church wasn't speaking in this area, that our young people and even our young married couples were getting all of their information from a, from a secular world, from the TV, from, from uh, songs, from the radio. From, they were learning all about this most important area in our life in every area away from the church and not following the Word of God and reading the Word of God and understanding that the Word of God talks very explicitly about this topic. I remember the, the first Sunday I'm going to speak on this, and I announced it beforehand because we want all the children out of here. Uh, if you have a child in this room, it's your own fault when they ask you questions after the end of the sermon. So we did that that first Sunday, and I remember I showed up for, for church, and several little old ladies, several little old ladies that I loved and respected like a mom came up to me shaking that finger as only they can do, right? Right? shook that finger and said, you can't talk about that in church. And I mean, after about the third one, I went to the back of the church thinking, I shouldn't be talking about this in church. And I remember panicking and thinking, I'm going to stop talking about this. I'm not going to do it. And, and I had a good friend in the back. She was a, a doctor and she kind of looked at me and said, hey, just so you know, old people are still having sex and they still have problems with it. Now, I did not want to know that. But it was very important for me to know that. And so I came out and spoke, not with confidence, but spoke on it. As I've gotten older, I'd like to say it's gotten easier. But it has not. Because there's still a portion of the crowd that's older than me that I'm embarrassed to speak about it. But now there's a new portion of the crowd that's younger than me. And I really don't want to speak to them about it. It's very awkward. In fact, last week, I looked at my daughter and I said, honey, are y'all going to the ranch this next weekend? She said, no. I said, you ought to. I'd like it, like you not to be in the room when I talk about this, but it is important to talk about, especially when the church has been silent on it for so long and the only information you're getting is warped information from a society that thinks sex is just physical. And that's where the problem is. We have tried to define that sex is just something that all mammals, all animals do. And so in the human culture, it is just the same. It's no big deal. The church has made it a big deal. Victorian principles have made it a big deal. Tradition, old-fashioned tradition has made it a big deal, but if we just relax, we can be sexually liberated and sexually free, and we can take off all the bonds, and as long as nobody gets pregnant or nobody gets a disease, nobody is hurt, everybody agrees with it, don't worry about it, it's not a problem. Well, that's not the truth, because it is a problem. Because sex is more than just physical. It is so much more than just physical, because God created it. Now, I want you to hear that because that's important for some of you. God created sex. He came up with the idea. He probably told the heavenly court, watch this, they're gonna really like this. And then when it came to human beings, he connected it to our soul. It wasn't that he was out getting coffee and came back and said, what are y'all doing, quit. That's not how it worked out. He created it and then he connected it to our very souls. He made it something deep, something important, something intimate, and it gives us a picture of being known, being fully known, and fully knowing someone else in such a way that it is so intimate that it explains our connection with not only each other, but our connection with God. So we want to share this at the deepest level. I want you to understand it. Now, if you're ready to argue with me that sex is just physical, I need to ask you a few questions. If sex is just physical, why are children who are sexually abused damaged for their entire life? Damaged, and when I say damaged, I don't mean that they don't overcome it, and some of you in the room have done a great job to overcome, and with Jesus, you have overcome it, but it's damaging. Why? Why? Why is it so damaging for a child to be sexually abused? Rape. A lot of you have been beaten up before, right? You get over that. You don't think about getting beat up. But a person who's raped, some of them have so much shame and guilt that they never tell, they never report, and they deal with that for their entire life because sex is more than physical. If sex is only physical, why is it your biggest regret? Why is it your biggest regret? Because sex is intimacy, and intimacy is powerful, and intimacy is fearless, but intimacy is fragile. It's so fragile that some of the women in here, some of the women listening, some of you in this, you've become so numb physically that there's nothing that man in your life can do to ignite passion in you. Because sex has lost its passion. It's lost its fire. It's lost its ignition. Because it's not what it was meant to be. It was meant to be a connection of souls and it's become a physical act. Some of you men have disconnected intimacy so much from sex that you would rather look at a naked woman on a screen than interact with a real woman in your life because we're lost, because it's so much more than physical. When that intimacy is fractured, when that intimacy becomes a, a false intimacy, when it becomes imitation, when all of these things happen, something inside of us breaks. If you're single today... You have a chance to get this right. If you're single today, you need to wait and take this gift that God has given you and save it for your spouse. I don't care whether you've been with somebody already or not. not a, I don't care about that. But from this day on, it's something important and powerful if you can say to your future wife or your future husband, from this day on, I waited for you to share this gift. It's powerful, and we need to get back to understanding this connection and why it is so powerful, why it's so important. So many married people have problems because of their past, because of them thinking that sex is the physical act, and that's all it is. What it is, the best way I can describe it, it is when two souls come together, the Bible says two flesh become one, we are connected to that person that we share physical intimacy with. If we connect to too many people, our connectiveness, our stickiness begins to falter. The best way to illustrate it is duct tape. That stuff will stick to anything, and it sticks really well. But if you pull duct tape off of something and stick it to something else, it'll stick for a while, or you pull it off of that and stick it to something, pretty soon that duct tape has lost what? All stickiness. That's why some of your relationships don't work because you've lost that stickiness and every relationship you get into, you look for a reason to leave and it's because you're with the wrong person and you just need to find the right person. The problem is every time you peel away and stick to somebody else, the stickiness gets less and less and less. And so I want you to understand, when the Bible talks about sex and it talks about it vividly, I want you to consider something. Historically, religion does not support monogamy historically, religion makes women a commodity. When you look at the religions of the past, when you look at the religions before Christianity, it was always a male-dominated idea where sex was part of the worship service and you had women who were commodity. When Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, listen, those are not man-made rules. Men wouldn't make those rules up they just wouldn't. Look at man-made religion. Look at a cult. Cult leaders, where it comes to sex, what what is the idea when they create their own religion? The cult leader has sex with who? Anybody he wants. When man drop religion, women are commodity. God up religion and made women partners. Paul lifts up women. Jesus lifts up women. We're going to get to the scriptures today, but I just want you to see how important it is to understand that this whole design, this whole concept, this whole intimacy idea is because God created it for us to be one. Now, Paul is writing in the book of Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that has started in this area, in this region. And Corinth, you need to understand, is a port city. It's on a little itmus, and what it does is the ships come in here, they cross their cargo to this side, and then the ships load up on here, and they go this way. With that, this is a port town. All these people are coming in from all over the world. All these sailors are coming in that have been at sea for a long time. And so the biggest religion in the town of Corinth was temple prostitution. They actually had places of worship, man-made worship, man-made religion. They set them up and in that worship, the physical act of sex was part of it. And so he is writing to a sexually liberated community. These people saw sex everywhere they went. In fact, the church wrote Paul and asked about this guy had married and was living with his stepmom. And they said, "Is that a problem?" They didn't even think it was a problem because they were so sexually liberated. So Paul is writing to this group of people who are sexually liberated, and he is saying, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now he's writing to a culture much like ours. Who said sex is just physical, sex is not a big deal, you don't have to worry about it, it's an animal animal instinct, just take all intimacy out of it, don't worry about it. And he's saying, listen, 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 all sin, all sin outside your body is different than the sin of sexual sin inside your body. Why? Because sexual sin goes against your very soul. It goes against the deepest part in your life. And so he again says in Corinthians, do you not know he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in her body? Now, many of you have read the book of Corinthians. I want you to understand there's so much in that book to help us understand how sexual immorality will affect us. In fact, in the book, many of you have read that it says for women to be silent in church, you ever wonder why that is? I mean, we've taken that and tried to make it patriarchal and said that women aren't, that's, none of that's true. It was written to Corinth because of the situation in Corinth where the women were the temple prostitutes and they stood up and tried to get the attention from the men on the street because then they got their tithes and they had sex with them. And Paul didn't want women standing up in the church and attracting the wrong men into that body. Now, do you see how prevalent it was? And so then he says, listen, don't unite yourself with a prostitute because you'll lose that stickiness. That's what I'm saying. You're uniting together. The two become one. And the more than you do that, the more you do that, ladies, you're going to become numb. Men, you're going to become disconnected because God has designed sex to be between two people for the rest of their life only. That's what it's about. It's a connection. Some of you have lost that connection. It's not just physical. It's connected through your soul, especially if you're a follower today. Paul says in 1 Corinthians again, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price, so therefore honor God with your body. I know some of you are still not convinced. You think it's just a preference. I get that. But it's not a preference. It's a design. There is a predictable outcome. I prefer fried foods and sweets. I prefer that. It's nutrition. I prefer that. But there is a predictable outcome if that's my diet. Am I right? If you believe sex is just physical and you believe it's not between a man and a woman, the outcome is predictable because God designed it, sex, one person your entire life to have intimacy so you could be fully known. So before you leave today, I just want you to do one more thing. I want you to listen closely because I'm not here to condemn you. So many times we hear this. I said, your biggest regret is, is sexual sin. I am not here to condemn you. That is not my job. God is not here to condemn you. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He, he wants you to live the best life you possibly can by His design. He knows it better than we do. A great example that God doesn't condemn you today is in John chapter 8, we have a story. In John chapter 8, a woman is caught in adultery. Now, I don't know how the man got away, unless he was a streaker and just ran really fast. But the man got away. They brought the woman before Jesus because they were trying to trap him. Because in the law of Moses, it says if you're caught in adultery, you're to be stoned. Now, why is that in the Bible? The Old Testament was written in the building in the nation of Israel. Building a nation is different than building a family. So when you read this in the Old Testament and you see it looks different, it's one God, it's the same God, but he was doing something different in the Old Testament than Jesus is doing in the New Testament. In the New Testament, he's bringing us together to form the family of God. And so this woman is brought to him and they want him to either condemn her to death, which would be wrong for the Roman government, or to say she's not guilty, which would go against their scripture. So they bring the woman ashamed, humiliated, and throw her down in front of Jesus. A crowd gathers around. Now this crowd has rocks in their hands because they're ready to stone her. They're just waiting for the work. says so they ask Jesus, what should we do? It so says Jesus bends down and starts writing in the sand. There's a lot of discussion about what he wrote. I think he might have been writing the sins of the people in the crowd. He stood up and he looked at the crowd and he said, those without sin cast the first stone. Now, I love that it says the older people drop their stones first because we understand. But then everyone had dropped their stones. He looks down at this woman. He that is without sin, by the way. He says, where are your condemners? He says, they're all gone, she says. And then he says the most powerful words you will ever hear. I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you either. Now, how powerful is that? Whatever sin in your life that humiliates you, whatever things you've done that you're so ashamed of, wherever you are in life at this very moment in your sexual sins, Jesus simply looks and says, I don't condemn you. But the next words, sometimes we don't read because the next words are just as powerful and just as important. Because he looks at her and says, Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Stop sinning. Is this incredible? I want you to leave here determined to do it God's way. I want you to leave here determined to live the way God lived, to to not be condemned, no, to not live in shame, to not live in guilt, but to walk out of here today getting it right. If you're single today, let's get this right. Start waiting on the person that God has for you. Stop worrying about finding the right person and become the right person. I know some of you are like, oh, that's easy for you. You're married. You can have sex anytime you want. Ask a married man in the room. It's not a preference. It's a design and it's worth it. I want you to make up your mind today. Married people, some of you have problems in your sex life because you're numb or disconnected. I've talked to a lot of couples through the years. Not many people have sexual problems. They have relational problems. They have communication problems. They have intimacy problems. There's other problems. And so I wanna encourage you, if the problem has resulted in your sex life, find some help. Listen, I know this is awkward to talk about. How'd you like to stand in front of thousands of people and talk about it? But you know, I'd rather talk to thousands of people, really, sometimes, than talk to my own wife about it. Sometimes that's even more awkward. Why? So today, if you're in a marriage, and you're struggling, don't point your finger at the other spouse. Get some help. Find out what you need to do for that relationship to be all it needs to be. Because once again, sex is just the icing. If the cake ain't made, the icing can't go on. So fix the things in your life. Understand, if you're, a if you're not a Christian today, if you're not a Christian, you're probably thinking, "Whoo! I'm glad that doesn't apply to me. But I want you to think a little deeper. What I'm saying resonates because it's God's design. And you know for a fact your life would be better if you followed this design. I want to pray for you right now. Will you let me? Father God, I pray for all those listening. And I know for many of them in the room, they're feeling condemned right now. God, they're feeling whispers and they're feeling shame and they're feeling guilt. And God, I pray you'll begin to lift that that they can look up into your eyes the way that woman did and hear you say, I can do not condemn you either. And God didn't help all of us go and sin no more. Help all of us live this life by design. Live this life by the way you've designed it, to have true intimacy, to fully know someone, to be fully known and totally accepted. God, let that begin to happen even in the lives of the people today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.